What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. WBUR Podcasts, Boston. Happy holidays! Merry, happy everything, and guess what? We got you a little something. A little something, something. <laughs> that sweet, sweet Christmas bonus. A bonus episode, that is. Yeah. Although, if anything, it's more like a Halloween bonus. It's a bit of a nightmare before Christmas, if you will. Yeah. Like I think that. we're get, we're bringing Spooky back. We're bringing Spooky back. Although Spooky doesn't really ever go away in this world we live in, unfortunately. <laughs> I guess that's kind of true. But also, we kind of already brought Spooky back in our most recent episode, which, if you haven't heard it yet, is about Goosebumps the musical. Yeah, and if you have heard it, you know that I got to talk to R.L. Stein, author of the more than sixty Goosebumps books. And that the book series turns 30 this year. And even though that conversation happened back during actual spooky season, I wanted to share more of it with you before we close out the year. Because A, I suspect that I'm not the only 90s kid R.L. Stein fan out there. And B, I just had so much fun talking to him. Yeah, I'm a more of a scary stories to tell in the dark kind of guy, personally. Yeah, we've heard that. But, we but got no. it. We got it, Ben. This is a no, goosebump zone. Listen. <laughs> I know, I know. And I, you know, I have to say, um, I was a bit, I was a bit jealous that you got to talk to R.L. Stein and I was not around. Are you fangirling a little bit, Amo? You know, I'd like to think I played it cool, but um, yeah. I mean, we talked about our mutual home state. You're also, I'm a fellow Ohio person. You're, you're in Ohio. Oh, you are? Where? So I, I grew up in the Cleveland area, but my sister's still in Columbus and went to OSU. Yep. Yep. So and I went to Ohio State. I grew up in Bexley. The Bexley, Ohio native also told me how shocked people are when they find out he has other interests. You see, if you're a horror writer, people expect your whole life to be horror. Huh. And when I say, well, I'm, I have an opera subscription and I, we, we live near Lincoln Center and I go to the ballet and people are horrified by that. Mm. That's like all wrong for me. <laughs> what do they expect you to do? Just like, just no, like lurk around. All be horror. All be horror. Yeah. yeah I can yeah. only go to Stephen King movies. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And of course, I got to hear how the very first Goosebumps books came to be 30 years ago, in spite of R.L. Stein himself. I didn't want to do it. What? This is the truth. I didn't want to do it. Why not? I had to be talked into it. Because I was doing a series for teenagers called Fear Street. 
And we were killing off teenagers every month. It was people love that when you kill teenagers. And I, it, this series was really successful. It was for older kids. It was a YA audience. Mm-hmm. And my wife and her partner, who had Parachute Press, came to me and they said, "No one has ever done a scary series for seven to twelve year olds. We should try it." And I said, "No, I don't want to." Why not? Because it'll, it'll mess up Fear Street. It'll mess up my older audience. Oh. And I don't want to confuse them, and I don't want to do it. That's the kind of businessman I am, right? <laughs> Didn't want to do goosebumps. Right. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. And they kept after me. And then finally, I said, all right, if we can think of a good name for the series, maybe we can try two or three. Okay. And so I went off. And I tried, was trying to think of a good name that would be not too scary. It would be funny and scary at the same time. Mm. And I was reading TV Guide magazine. And in those days, TV Guide had all the TV listings in the middle. And I was thumbing through this magazine. And on the bottom of one page was a tiny ad. And it said, it's Goosebumps Week on Channel 11. And I just stared at it. I mean, there it was. I knew. I said, hey, we'll call it Channel 11. (laughs) Yeah, don't laugh at that. No, well, that's where the name Goosebumps came from. And we took it to Scholastic and they bought four books. I said, oh, we'll try four of them. Mm -hmm. And we put four books out and they just sat there on the shelf. They didn't do anything for months. No one bought them. And if it was today, with all the computers and everything, the bookstores would have yanked them off the shelf. They wouldn't be around. But somehow, after four months or so, somehow kids discovered them and took them to school and showed them to others. It's a secret kids network of kids just showing kids. Because there was no advertising. There was no hype. No one really knew me at the time. It was 1992. And I think this is how all the book crazes get started, I think. Even Harry Potter or the Hunger Games, um, all of them. There's kids telling kids. Um, So why, even with Fear Street, you know, you're scaring an audience of children. So what's the joy in scaring children? (laughs) It's really fun. I just like to scare kids. Uh Uh-huh. No, that's that's a horrible answer. That's horrible. (laughs) You know, I just found out kids like to be scared. I mean, thank God, but kids like to be scared. You know, I was funny. I never planned to be scary. Mm. I never planned to write horror. It's embarrassing. It wasn't my idea. It was another editor's idea. A woman named Jean Fywell, who was the publisher at Scholastic. Okay. It was her idea. I was funny. I had a humor magazine. I wrote about 100 joke books for kids. Mm. That's all I cared about. And she arrived at lunch. We were having lunch, and she was angry. She had a fight with another guy who wrote teen horror. And she said, sat down to lunch, and she said, I'm never working with him again. You could write a good teen horror novel. Go home, write a book called Blind Date. She gave me the title. And I didn't know what she was, ta- I didn't know what she was talking about. What's a teen horror novel? I ran to the bookstore to buy Christopher Pike and Lois Duncan and Diane Ho and Richie Tankersley Cusick. All these people were writing teen horror back in the 90s just to find out what it was. 
And I wrote this book, Blind Date. It came out. It was a number one bestseller. So wait, what? Was it fun to write, though? Was there something about doing oh, it that? Took that... Me three months. It took three okay. months. That's a long time for me. Okay. To spend <laughs> three months. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. It was a number one bestseller. And then a year later, she asked for another one. And I wrote a book called Twisted, number one bestseller. And I thought, forget the funny stuff. I'm going to be scary. Because <laughs> I've been scary ever since. Coming up, R.L. Stein on the material that's too scary, even for him. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. back with more from R.L. Stein, who told me what it's like writing scary material for kids specifically. Is it satisfying? Do you kind of know when you land on something like, oh yeah, this is going to really freak them out? <laughs> I enjoy, I enjoy the writing part. I enjoy it. I, I Sometimes I surprise myself. But also I don't, you know, I don't really want to terrify kids. <laughs> I really don't want to do that. So, but, that's, but you've made this, you've done that for thirty straight years. You've you've no, but they're not terrified. I hate it when kids come up to me at a book signing, yeah. say, "Oh, you gave your book gave me nightmares." I hate that. That's not it's not what it's about. It's just but then to why get write reading. it? Why write it? It's to get them reading. I keep you know the most satisfying part for me is all these parents who come to me and say, "My kid never read a book in his life." And I caught him reading with a flashlight under the covers, reading your book. Or my kid learned to read on your books. Mm. Or people who come up to me and say, I had a really hard childhood and your books got me through it. I wouldn't be a librarian today if it wasn't for you. Or you got me through a bad time. And, you know, that's really what it's about. 
Is anything too scary for children, do you think? Any subject matter or well, plot any, line? Oh, real life. It's a horrible, scary world for kids now. It's awful. Any real world thing is too scary. I don't, I don't even do parents getting a divorce. I don't even do that. Wow. My answer to that, for what it's worth, is slappy. I am not a fan of slappy. Really? You slappy. think he's scary? Slappy was too much for me. Yeah, Slappy yeah. Slappy stayed with See, me. I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm, let me tell you, I no one's listening, right? Just so yeah, right. I, Just you and me. Yeah, no one. <laughs> yeah, I know. No one's listening. Yeah, I. <laughs> I don't get Slappy. I don't get what's scary about him. No way! Really, get out! I don't, no, I don't. Something about an inanimate object coming to life for yeah, sinister purposes was. That was I a guess. lot for me. I can't even look I at guess. any ventriloquist dummy, even the dummy behind you, as we started out by saying, it's like, <laughs> I'm expecting it to open yeah. its eyes and they will be red <laughs> and upset. <laughs> yeah, well, but I, you know, I've had, I've written maybe 15 books about it, mm-hmm. about a dummy that comes to life. It's harder and harder to come up with plots. I even killed him in one book. I wrote The Ghost of Slappy. Mm-hmm him off but I had to bring him back I mean I guess it makes sense that it would get harder and harder to write some of this material and yet you're on fire like you have a new you have a new book of of short scary stories that's coming out this year Stein Tingler's great title great, great title, title right? Stein Tingler's yes. yeah. you have and a I'm doing comic books I have this great adult horror comic series called Stuff of Nightmares is writing horror for adults fundamentally different than writing it for kids? Well, I did do some adult novels, actually, horror novels, but no one noticed. No. <laughs> I don't, you know, no one noticed. They were horrible flops. Oh. Horrible. I don't know why anyone would want to write for adults. Why is that? Therefore, it's a horrible audience. It's a horrible... What's... My audience, look, my audience, 7 to 12-year-olds, uh-huh. I get them the last time in their lives they'll ever be enthusiastic. Huh. <laughs> right? Right? No, when they're 12, they discover sex, they have to be cool, yeah. and they're lost. That's it. That's the end of them. Do you see yourself doing this for the rest of your days, right? Coming up with new ways to scare and entertain? <laughs> writers don't really retire, do they? I mean, no, writers I guess just not. drop dead. They just drop dead on their keyboard. No. <laughs> I'm still I still have fun. That's the weird thing. That's great. All these books, I still enjoy it. I still look forward to sitting down in the morning and doing more pages. Is there anything else about the last 30 years that has just totally um, taken you by surprise about just the the staying power? Of, like, Goosebumps is in me. I'm nostalgia to you. Nostalgia. <laughs> like it's, more, nostalgia? It's, it's more than nostalgia, though, because there, it's, it, nostalgia I think of as... I don't know, something you kind of look back on and then can set aside. And I think Goosebumps is actually like a a part of me. (laughs) I think it's a part of how I grew up. Yes, I think it's a part of how I grew up. And I asked you the question about... I am flattered. I'm flattered. Well, it's true. And and I'm not a horror person. I don't like seek out horror now as an adult. Um, And I think part of that has to do with basically how you answered. One, that the world itself is a scary enough place. And two, I felt like I had a I had a safe space growing up to kind of explore darker things. So right, 
So right. I don't know. It's it feels different to me than just nostalgia for yeah. for something from yeah. the 90s. Well, to answer your question, I mean, I'm constantly surprised. I have wonderful surprises. Just amazing. I was at Comic-Con last week uh, for three days, and I haven't gotten over this. A woman came up. I was autographing, and a woman came up to the table, and she said, I just flew 27 hours from Kuwait to meet you. Holy cow. <laughs> she, flew, she flew from Kuwait. Wow. I wouldn't go across the street to meet me. <laughs> She's like, really? No, isn't that unbelievable? It's incredible. It's just, I was speechless. You know, I just feel so lucky. All of this. All luck, you know. You know that. Hmm. But it's just fun to keep going. Well, Mr. Stein, thank you so much for your time today. I'm so grateful, and it's, it's really a thrill to talk to you. I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed talking with you. All right, that's it for our holiday bonus. Thanks for being our ET homies for another another year, y'all. Hope, hope next year is great for you. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. We'll be back with new episodes in the new year, but we'll keep your podcast feed toasty warm in the meantime. Don't worry. Happy holidays. Share your toys. Hug your people. Bye.